Welcome back to the Her Advantage podcast. I'm your host, Mel, and this is episode number 14. I brought a friend with me today. I brought my friend Carla from my business membership called Creator Club. It's really hard to make friends as an adult. And once upon a time, the social media world was really triggering and honestly depressing. Um, it was my feed specifically was filled with a lot of fakeness and people chasing aesthetics. Once I really assessed what I wanted and how I wanted my social media to be, I started culling people, even if they were my friends or within my social network that didn't align with what I wanted or what I wanted to see. Excuse me. And once I did this, and like I said, really assessed with what I wanted in life and the message that I wanted to put out both in life in general, not just social media, my social media and the real world actually started filling with people that honestly inspired me and had a mission to leave humanity better than they left it. Now that sounds really airy fairy. But Carla was one of those people. So we connected a couple of months ago through Creator Club. And after speaking with her inside the membership and watching her social media, this woman has a really cool message around sleep and our bodies. So, of course, I had to bring it to the podcast so that you could use it to your advantage. Carla and I chatted a lot. Um, So you have to excuse some of the girly giggles. But we get into how she even became a sleep coach. She was in corporate once upon a time. We talked about how nutrition and exercise and our lifestyle can affect our sleep. We talked about really practical tips for getting yourself to sleep at nighttime, but not only getting yourself to sleep at nighttime, waking up feeling like you've had a good night's sleep. We talked about kids. We talked about pets. We talked about all of the other things that we might not think of affect our sleep. And it might be a chicken and an egg situation. Maybe they're not intentionally affecting our sleep, but how we can manage or approach these situations. And of course, we talked about resistance and how implementing a good sleep routine might not come so easily, but how you can overcome that. So without further ado, I'm going to get off the mic and hit play on our podcast. Enjoy. Luckily, I haven't hit record sooner. Carla and I have just had a great chit chat about uh, life. (laughs) Um, But I've brought Carla on the podcast today to talk about sleep. It's not something I've brought up in the podcast before, but if you have worked with me or followed me or have come across any of my work, you know that sleep is a major priority in what I coach and what I also preach and practice. So Carla, hi, how are you? Hi, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. How are you going? I'm pretty good. Thank you. Good. Can you give us a little background as to who you are? Yeah. Uh, so I'm Carla. I'm a sleep <laughs> hi, Carla. Coach. Uh, what can I tell you? Uh, so. I actually left corporate life back in 2019 Mm -hmm. to start a a wellness business, uh, which turned out to be terrible timing. So Um, who, what, what was corporate for you? Oh, so corporate, uh, it was 
I'll say project management mm-hmm. would probably encompass it. So I worked at ANZ. Well, going way back, I was a legal secretary for a number of years, traveled mm-hmm. a lot doing that job. Um, great job, job to travel with, pays really well. Um, and when I moved here, I got into project management, started mm-hmm. with ANZ. So I was there for five years. And then I moved to Pearson, Australia. So I worked for an arm of the business that delivered professional exams. So it's sort of project management, client relationship stuff, uh, quite high stress. Uh, and, oh God, I'm already going deep. I was already thinking, am I going to talk about this stuff? Or am I just <laughs> Full, like, I don't know if you've heard any of my other podcasts, but we love to go deep. And I feel like we've already covered the deep stuff before we even hit record. So like, we can't even go that deep. I love it. I love it. Um, so yeah, so essentially I had a couple of, um, I guess, big, uh, personal events happen uh during that that period of of corporate life so my mum passed away and that kind of sent me on a bit of a path to kind of I guess move away from that I mean stressful high high stress but well-paid job because at the time I was sort of just yeah I love the money I love being able to go traveling and um I had a partner at the time who was uh you know he was an adult apprentice so I was able to pay for him to do all the things that I like to do as well so it was great uh, so yeah, so mum passed away. Was your mum living in Australia? No, so uh, the added stress of that. New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I was there. Um, so managed to get home, which was um, yeah, which was great. But sort of makes you question what you're doing, why you're doing it, all that kind of stuff. So essentially, didn't actually go back to NZ after that. <laughs> tried, tried to go back and. Yeah, tried to go back several times. And I remember the last time I was, I was like, okay, I'm going into work today. And I was actually driving to work and I got halfway to work, just had this panic attack, turned around, <laughs> went home and just messaged my boss and said, look, I'm really sorry, but I can't come back. So that was the end of that. Uh, and two days later, I had a, a friend message me and say, hey, I think I've just found the perfect job for you. <laughs> like, well, that's weird, isn't it? Uh, and it was a job at Pearson, uh, Pearson Australia, working for an arm of their business that delivers uh, professional exams. And so, yeah, I started this. And it was great because even though it was still corporate, it felt like it was a job that was actually doing it was actually doing good stuff, right? It was education. Uh, it was, you know, their big thing was sort of helping candidates to get their, you know, ideal job to improve their lives and all that kind of stuff. So it was great to start with. Uh, and that also got pretty full on. It was client facing. So there was lots of challenges with that. Uh, and then my dad passed away unexpectedly. So that threw a bit of a spanner on the works again. And that was around the same time where we had a big, um, don't know if I can talk about it too much, but there was a big mm-hmm. issue at work and it was quite, it was quite public. So any, um, <laughs> any, any doctors out there uh, know of this thing that happens. So basically mm-hmm. we delivered uh, professional exams and then, yeah, dad passed away. So I just wasn't really coping very well with that. And again, I just had this massive rethink and just thought, what, what am I doing? Like, sure again I'm getting great money and I'm able to travel and do all these things and have all this stuff but I just was not fulfilled and yeah not happy so 
I actually started training to be a fiery, a professional oh. firefighter. Yeah, so went through that process. In Victoria? In Victoria, mm-hmm. yep. Uh, went through that process a few times and then sort of while that was happening, um, sorry, after I left the other job, got the opportunity to open this well. Actually, sorry, no, I'm confusing the timeline now. Left the job, started training for a fiery to be a fiery. They asked me to come back and I went back, which was a silly decision. Continued training for the fireys and then ultimately left that job again and had the opportunity to open this wellness and recovery business. So I was sort of getting into something a little bit more meaningful, helping people, that kind of stuff, but also still wanting to be in the fireys. And then COVID hit, mm. which was... The perfect time to open a wellness business. Perfect timing to open Especially in Victoria. Face-to-face, non-essential business. So, yeah, I mean, that was really rough. I'm not going to talk too much about the COVID mm-hmm. stuff because, you know, everyone's lived through it and, you know. Um, but with the business closed, I had a lot of time on my hands. So I actually started studying sleep to mainly to help myself. It was It was purely selfish to start with. But as I started working through it, I just thought, oh my God, there's there's probably a lot of people I can help here. So initially I started sort of building the business as a, a sidearm to the recovery center. I was going to do both. I was seeing clients in my in my clinic when we reopened. But when we finally reopened, <laughs> uh, yeah, having that face-to-face business was just feeling like it was really just kind of still trapping me. It still felt like I was kind of in that lockdown state. I had all this equipment. I had all this, you know, extra rent. I had to be in front of people all of the time and I just wasn't enjoying it. So I, it took me quite a few months to come to the decision to close it. That was really difficult because I had used um, dad's or mum and dad's inheritance to start the business. And the business name is also... Uh, it's a it's a moldy name because I wanted some connection to home uh, with the business. So closing it really felt like I sort of failed them, that I was wasting their money, that I just, you know, basically fucked up. So yeah, took me a long time to kind of get to the point of, okay, I just need to close it and step back. You're back. Okay. So I cut out at, um, it was the, your parents' name was the business? Oh uh, yeah. So the... So the name for the business is order, which is a Maori word for wellness, longevity, um, and health. And so I chose that name specifically because it was from NZ, and I I wanted to keep a connection to mum and dad. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if you caught this part, but yeah, and because I'd used their inheritance to yeah. start the business, like it just it 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 felt like I'd failed them. I felt like I'd wasted their money. It was it was really hard. Um, but I finally decided that, yeah, for my own sort of well-being that I needed to step out of that. And also I was seeing such amazing results with the sleep coaching. I I felt like that was really where I could make a really significant, significant difference in people's lives. The recovery center was cool because people would come in and, you know, they'd have a sauna and they'd leave feeling great. But I I sort of felt like if I really wanted to make an impact, the sleep coaching was really the thing I needed to focus on and trying to build both businesses. It felt a bit like I 
wasn't really doing either of them justice. I really needed to sort of focus on one. So that's the long story that I hadn't actually planned <laughs> to go tell me. I was just going to start with Sorry. COVID. You got, you got all the good stuff. You got all the good stuff. You got all the emotional stuff. So there you go. That's right. I didn't even cry though. So congratulations. Um, also wouldn't be the first time that someone's cried on the podcast. So <laughs> I promise we'll keep it above surface from here. Um, and so, I mean, you said, you know, that delving into sleep for you was a selfish thing. Were you having issues with your sleep? Was it something? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So had been for a very long time. Didn't really, I guess, care as much about it. Uh, until dad passed away. So mum had been sick for a long time. So yes, she passed away really young and no, it wasn't expected, but because she'd been unwell for a long time, it I, I guess deep down we sort of expected it, but you never really think your parents. No, yeah. well. uh, but dad was very unexpected and that really just kind of threw me because I could sort of see some of his lifestyle choices that had probably led him to that. Obviously, he didn't know. I didn't know. Otherwise, I probably would have tried to help. Um, And not terrible stuff, but just like he never slept well. (laughs) He never slept well. Um, Yeah, would be up all night watching TV because he couldn't sleep, uh, drinking at night, had sleep apnea all that kind of stuff. So it sort of really made me think about, I guess, my own, even though I already led a pretty healthy lifestyle, it just made me sort of think about what I was doing a little bit more because, yeah, I mean, he was only, he was only 67, which is not. That's quite young. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, uh, it it just really, it just really highlighted, I guess, the importance of it and, and made me think about, yeah, really just kind of fixing things for myself. Um, yeah. What was the question? <laughs> um, like, yeah. Finding out about, what yeah. about, yeah, why sleep was so important for yourself yeah, and yeah. So coming so from was... a place of not having good sleep, essentially. Um, what did you, and it's not something that's spoken about. Like, I mean, again, I don't know the communities that you're involved mm-hmm. in, but I know that mm-hmm. my communities sleep is something that, you know, as an adult, you're lucky if you get it, you know, it's normal if you don't, yep. um, that it's not something that requires work or coaching. It's just the sleep habit, you know, like it's just the thing that happens. Yep. Um, but you know, as again, when you start to understand what health is and really defining it, like sleep is where the magic happens, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And yeah, I agree. I always sort of think that maybe it's, well, it's undervalued because it's, as you say, it's this, it's this thing that we think we, we all just do naturally, right? It's like breathing. Yeah. Um, But you know, you'll have a crappy night's sleep, you'll wake up in the morning and go, oh, I feel like shit. But then you just power through and you don't think about it again until you have to go to bed. So it it doesn't really kind of come to the forefront. It's not, you're right, not really talked about that often. But it is so important, like just 
so, so important. And I always think about the the pillars of health, uh, you know, nutrition, movement, uh, stress management, social connection. And I believe like sleep is the foundation like that sits underneath those pillars because sleep needs another pillar of its own. Absolutely. It's so, so important. Uh, and I think, I mean, I, I, I'm very careful not to talk about the negative sides, the negative things about not getting good sleep because a lot of people who have problems with sleep also have high stress and anxiety. So the last thing I want to do is be like, you know, tell them all these horrible yeah, things. Source that of overwhelm. Yeah. So I try to talk about the positive effects of great sleep. So but, what, like, what mm. is, you know, if you've got a great sleep habit, mm. what are the, some of the things that come from that? Yeah. Absolutely. Why, why do, why do we even need sleep? Yeah, exactly. So sleep is basically when your body resets, right? So training wise, you're going to be, that's when your physical restoration occurs, uh, your mental restoration. So to learn, you need to sleep well prior to learning and you need to sleep well post learning as well to really cement that learning in. Um, so I can have naps more often. Oh yeah. We can talk about <laughs> naps. I'm a massive advocate for naps provided you sleep well at night. Definitely mm-hmm. have, have naps. If you feel like you need to catch up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and napping after learning. Yes. Cool. <laughs> um, you know, it's 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 when you're, you know, without without great sleep, your emotions aren't gonna be as stable as they could be. So and I've experienced this, you know, stupid arguments with, with yes. your partner, like flying off the handle for no reason. It's all related to sleep. Um, you know, it it helps with impulse control. So, you know, food choices, decision-making, problem solving, all that kind of stuff gets impaired if you don't, if you don't have great sleep, Uh, you know, focus, concentration, alertness, all of the stuff. uh, It's huge. So, yeah. So sleep really is where the magic happens. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, what did you what do you think are some of the biggest things overlooked about sleep are? Oh my gosh. That's a good question. I think I think that I mean, firstly, there's a misconception that you need to get a certain number of hours, which is not necessarily true. We all need a different amount of sleep, but what uh, really I challenge cool. you, I challenge you to find me after I have less than eight hours sleep <laughs> and say that to my face. <laughs> exactly right. But quality is really important, right? So if you're getting eight hours of broken sleep, you're not going to wake up feeling great. Okay, but cool. If you yeah. get, you know, seven hours, even six and a half hours, depending on the person, really great quality sleep, you know, you might actually feel, feel good. Um, the thing, so I run, I do a few sort of like corporate workshops and, and workshop um, and, and public workshops. And the thing that often comes out of those is that people tend to think they're giving themselves more opportunity to sleep than they actually are. And okay. often what I'm finding is that people are also not linking their daytime symptoms with their bad sleep so I did a seminar recently and we I, I, I brought people through this kind of process and one person was 
snoozing for like an hour every morning and waking up feeling crap, but thinking she was giving herself enough sleep opportunity. And when we did the maths, she's like, oh, I'm only giving myself seven hours. Oh, no wonder I feel crap in the morning. And just, it's it's not, I don't know, there's just, the connection just doesn't get made. So one of the things I love doing is actually walking people through this little, these little like exercises to just kind of go, hey, you know, I don't know what it might be, you know, that daytime symptom of, say for me, for example, um, if I don't sleep well, I get nauseous. Mm-hmm. If I get like less than six hours, well, okay, linking that back to sleep. But then what is that nausea, nausea um, causing for me during the day? Well, I'm not doing any of the things that are important to me. I'm not walking the dog. I'm not eating properly. You know, it's got all these on-flow effects potentially to the things that are actually important to you. So, yeah. That's a really cool exercise. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I know yeah. for me, if I, and I mean, I'm sure you're probably going to talk about this, but I know my mm-hmm. sleep changes from winter to summer. Yep. But like, if I don't get the allotted time that I need, like it's my anxiety and my like ability to communicate. Yeah. And like that, like connection and is one of my biggest values. I love people. Mm-hmm. I love talking. Mm-hmm. And if all of a sudden I'm snappy and irritable. Yeah. That's damage to my biggest value. The the impact is massive. And yeah, I mean, you talked about sort of anxiety, right? So uh, lack of sleep is linked to higher stress and anxiety, but likewise, stress and anxiety impact sleep. So the chicken and the egg, which comes first. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And so all of those, those impacts, and as you say, like social connection, huge. And I'm the same. I, 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 I cannot form sentences if I sleep badly. I'm like, I'm an absolute mess and yeah. it's embarrassing, right? Like you're trying to run a business and be professional, but you can't actually articulate yourself because you haven't slept properly. Like that's not great. No. And it's not like, you know, and then, okay. So then we talk about some of the common fixes if you have mm. bad sleep and we can talk about the fixes of low energy through the day. So caffeinated drinks, um sugar I don't know what else um and then the quick fixes for evenings like medications um what are some of the things that you see people doing (sighs) how do I want to wear this that you know they're, they're in the right direction but just still not addressing the issue yep there's a few things right Caffeine's a huge one. Uh, what I see is often people are waking up and reaching for caffeine or coffee straight away. So that's not ideal, but that is also probably a symptom of not sleeping great. So mm-hmm. if if that is happening, someone might want to look at how their sleep actually is rather than just hammering coffee. Ideally, you want to wait sort of like 60 and 90 minutes in the morning before you have your first caffeine hit. Uh, the other one with caffeine is also, you know, we all know we're not supposed to drink it sort of after about, you know, midday, whatever it might be, but often people who drink caffeine in the evening do so because they feel like that caffeine isn't affecting their sleep because they can fall asleep easily. Right. But evening caffeine doesn't just potentially impair your ability to fall asleep. It can actually impair the quality of of your sleep. So if you're having a coffee after dinner and falling asleep, fine. What I like to encourage people to think about is how are you waking up 
because you may have fell as- fallen asleep fine, but you've actually potentially had less quality, lighter sleep. So again, often the people that have coffee last thing in the evening will also be the people that have coffee first thing when they wake up. And there's a reason for that, right? Because you've not slept well and then you're just loading your system with more caffeine. So that's an interesting one. That's super interesting. We're only talking about this um, amongst my friends the other day. Mm. I'm very sensitive to caffeine. Yep. And like quite will quite often drink decaf, don't need caffeine Mm. because I sleep really well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And in fact, they were having coffees at, you know, five o'clock in the afternoon. And we were talking about, oh, they could have a coffee before they go to bed and not have Mm. a problem. Mm. And I was just like, what? But that's really interesting. Like, yep. And, you know, and again, something that I work on with my women is what happens when we sleep and why it is so mm-hmm. important to, you mm-hmm. know, access that deep sleep. And it never occurred to me that that caffeine at the end of the day would then disrupt, still disrupt those processes, essentially, even though we're closing our eyes. Yep, absolutely. And don't get me wrong, there will be people around that can drink coffee late and it doesn't impact because we all metabolize it differently. We've all got different sensitivities, but there will also be a large portion of that population who are actually being affected by that caffeine without realizing it because they're looking at, I guess, the wrong measure, right? How do I fall asleep rather than how do I wake up? Yeah. So interesting. I <laughs> so love throw it. throw that at your friends, see what they say. Yeah. Uh, and I guess, um, yeah. Yeah, no, cool. And so, you know, if you are that person then that maybe is just that whatever caffeine doesn't touch my system, I'm fine. Mm. What are some other ways that we can really start to look at that or notice that? Yeah. So definitely how you wake up is is a really good one, right? Because if you're waking up feeling unrefreshed, groggy, fatigued, tired, then that's an indication that you're not sleeping well. So what are the things that you're doing that might contribute to that? So caffeine too late, for example, is going to affect your sleep pressure, which means you're not going to sleep as well. But of course, there there could be other things, right? What's the environment like that they're um, both their sleeping environment and also the environment that they're spending their evening in. So both of those things can affect sleep. Um, exercise, like when are they exercising? Are they exercising right before bed? Uh, timing of nutrition, because that can also affect sleep quality. There's a whole lot of things to kind of look at. Uh, and yeah. I'd love to talk about the training component a little bit more. Mm. How does the training component come into how we're sleeping? Yeah. So overall exercise is great, right? It's actually going to help to increase sleep pressure, which is one of the, one of the mechanisms that you need to have great sleep. Um, so we want to have a high sleep pressure because it means we are going to sleep better, but training too late is actually going to negatively affect your sleep. So it'll probably take longer to fall asleep and it'll also affect the quality. Uh, Part of the reason for that is because your temperature is increasing at a time you want it to dip. So you'd sort of, you want to make sure that you're ideally you wouldn't be training within sort of two to four hours of bed. Again, differs person to person. Um, something like a walk or something is fine, but you know, you won't, wouldn't want to go out and do like a CrossFit workout, like an hour before you go to bed, that's probably not going to be very beneficial. What if that's the only time of the day that you can train? Yeah. <laughs> Good question. That That's the, that's the, that's the toss up, right? 
Or is there something that we can be doing after we're training that would help us then prepare us for sleep? Yeah. So, I mean, in general, it's, it's, it's really important to have an evening routine. Can be something really basic, you know, read a book, shower, go to bed, could be super simple like that. So if, if, if someone is, you know, working late, training late, whatever it might be, right. Because people have busy schedules. So you know, potentially not always going to be able to go to bed right when you need to because other stuff is going to keep you up so having a really just a simple evening routine that you can do every night including on those nights when you might be doing stuff a little bit later than would be ideal is going to help when you actually do you know choose to go to bed so yeah evening routine really important what are some of the things that you have in your evening routine (laughs) of mine so I'm house sitting at the moment so mine is a little bit out of whack uh I actually no it it pretty much follows the same routine it just I'm doing things in a different place so mine is uh shower always shower at night um the reason for that is it helps to cool down but it's also very relaxing I like candles and you know get it all like nice and you know romantic for myself um so you really dismiss that but I think like I'm someone who lives by myself and I'm single and all those things and I think it is really important to have like we don't have to have a partner and even if we do have a partner and I think that you're in this monotonous like ugh, just go to bed read a book whatever Like, I think it's important to that you just start doing this stuff for ourselves. It's nice. It feels a little bit spoily. It feels just, I don't know, it just, it just makes you feel good. So, yeah, so shower normally by candlelight. Uh, and then I typically, if I'm at home, I'm normally on the couch um, listening to an audio book or a podcast, something like that, while I do some breathwork stuff. Then I'm oh, with the dog because, you know, we have to have, pre-bed snugs and then I'm into bed sometimes with the meditation sometimes not and then that's it but my because I live alone also I'm I guess I'm quite fortunate in the fact that I have complete control over what I do when I do it my environment so Yes, I'm very fortunate. I was just going to touch on that when you said like pre-bed snugs with the dogs dog like, does the dog sleep with you? Like, how does this vary? Or what ha- what happens if there's someone else or something else in the bed with you? Does that, how does that bring into our sleep? Yeah. Yeah. So sleeping partners uh, attribute to 30% of your awakenings at night. So 30%. 30%. So there's definitely an impact there. Uh, I... I mean, I'm a big advocate for sleeping alone. I love it. Is that why our single ladies are sleeping so well? <laughs> but whether it's a human or whether it's a dog, again, you've got to weigh up the social, you know, the connection with this, like what's more important. And I will be completely honest. I know that when my dog sleeps on the bed, I have a terrible sleep, but sometimes I just want him there. So I did, I did do this on Saturday night. I'm like, stuff it, you're coming up. I mean, I was wrecked on Sunday, but it's as long as you know the impact and you're okay with it, but it's, it's, it's about the balance because you can't be super strict all the time. Otherwise life's no fun. And connection, I think is also just as important as 
sleep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. So yeah, you've got to, you've got to strike a balance and you know, it's no different to, you know, say nutrition and training and stuff like you can't eat super, super clean all the time. It just gets boring. You've got to have the chocolate cake and the ice cream and the good stuff. So if we touch on nutrition then, um, how does nutrition play a role in our sleep habits? Yeah, for sure. So timing is a big one. So again, that's sort of the sort of like two to four hour rule and everyone is different, but ideally you'd finish eating two to four hours before bed. Reason being is that if you eat super late, your body is always going to prioritize digestion over sleep and the processes that it wants to do during sleep. If you eat close to bed, your temperature is going to increase um, at a time we want it to decrease. So if anyone wears fitness trackers and whatnot, they will see their resting heart rate will be spiking instead of going down, their temperature goes up. And so your sleep's going to be, excuse me, your sleep's going to be lighter. It's going to be more disrupted. In terms of sort of uh, macros and whatnot, I always talk to clients about a balance because carbs and protein both affect sleep in different ways. And just the standard stuff of like avoiding sugar close to bed, because again, that's going to impact your quality of sleep. Um, I'm actually just reading some research papers on on different types of foods and stuff. Um, but um, yeah, there's some interesting foods that you can have to to help with sleep as well. So uh, heart cherry juice, it's great, oh. great for sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have actually used this in the past, but this is the first time I've actually read any actually um, literature on it. So that's quite cool. Kiwi fruit. So they've actually found, uh, I, th- I think it was, two kiwi fruit a night <laughs> actually helps with sleep um i have to double check i'm pretty sure it was two because i was like oh that's expensive because kiwi fruit are expensive <laughs> i am allergic to kiwi fruit oh. and i watch people eat kiwi fruit and i'm like mm. it just looks so delicious and but yeah. every like i just my whole mouth goes odd is that and i just i'm so jealous is it the flesh or the skin or is it just any of well, it? I've only ever eaten the flesh, but literally oh. the minute I put it in my mouth, my whole mouth just, no, it's not a nice feeling. Oh, that's not great. Because no. I was going to say with, and it, it, is, it isn't from this study that I uh, learned this, but when I've heard this about kiwi fruit before, my understanding was that you have to eat the skin to <laughs> to get the benefits. So but people actually, do that though. Like I see people well, eating the skin. Well, they do, but as a kid, in New Zealand, you cut it in half and you scoop it out with a spoon. So now I've become, and I feel like I always picture dad, like looking at me going, what the fuck are you doing? Because now I'm slicing my kiwi fruit skin on and just eating it like their little kiwi fruit crackers. Um, yeah. That could be your next business idea. Kiwi fruit crackers. <laughs> Do you imagine? Oh, dehydrated kiwi fruit. Yum. Yeah. Do you know what it is? It actually something, oh, I wonder what it is that you're allergic to, like within it. I don't know. But it was just one of those, like I said, I always, and it was so, it was my grandmother that gave it to me. And my grandmother was this old um, Austrian woman. Like she moved out to Australia just before the Second World War. So like we're very much like do not waste food mentality. And I remember eating it and being like, something's not right. And she was like, you're so wasteful, like getting this. 
lecture from her about how disrespectful I am towards food and I'm still scarred from it. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. Um. So, when, you know, and again, sort of b- jumping back and on that topic of like mm-hmm. having other things in our bed. Mm. When we look at prioritizing sleep and looking after our sleep in terms of our health, does it work the same with kids? And I mean that in terms of both, um, like obviously if we've got kids getting up, like we have to get up to kids and mm. also if the kids aren't sleeping. So, yeah, does the does what your practice and what we teach in terms of prioritizing sleep have the same effect on children? Yeah, so I've focused only on adults. But from the friends that I have who have reached out to baby sleep consultants, when they talk about what the baby sleep consultants have told them to do, it's very similar. It's evening routine. Evening routine is is the biggest one, right? Um, but and it's interesting because every every parent knows that that's how that's one of the key things to help getting their kids to sleep, right? You have the evening routine, you have the bath, and then you have the book and it's nice and calm and quiet. That is exactly the same as what you need to be doing as an adult. It's the same. We do that. We have a bath. We put an audio book on. Oh my God. Well, that's what I, that's what I mean, right? You're doing it already, but a lot of people have sort of forgotten. And then you've got to throw, you know, you throw in the aspect of everyone working from home, laptop, social media, scrolling, all that kind of stuff sort of, I guess, plays into this problem where, because, you know, alertness and arousal is the other aspect of, of, you know, the other aspect that's, that's affecting sleep. So if you are highly, highly alert, aroused, et cetera, because you've been scrolling social media for two hours before bed, well, yeah, you're probably not going to sleep well. Likewise, if you've been, you know, looking at work and you've been thinking about all the stuff you need to do or you've read a stressful email or anything like that, that means you're going to bed and you're just like, you're wired, right? So there's no way that you can sleep when you're you're in that state. So having that calming routine, not only is it just, you know, it's just relaxing and it's a nice way to end the night, but it's just really strong kind of trigger to your brain to go, oh, we're winding down. Cool. Okay. So we do this, this, and this, and then we lie down and go to sleep. So that's sort of the the rationale for it, I guess, to help ease, ease your brain into, into that, that stage. I guess it's something like, and it's not something that we just flick a switch and it happens. You know, this is something that we have to teach ourselves and put effort into, right? Like, and it, there's going to be so, when this, when you start to implement these things, there's going to be so much resistance there. Mm to change that evening routine yeah yeah definitely but it's it's amazing how quickly sleep can improve once you start making some of these changes like it doesn't it doesn't take long before you actually start seeing considerable improvement just by making a few tweaks it's it's pretty amazing that's it, the flow on effect. A client said to me the other day, mm. she said, you know, um, now that I'm sleeping better and meal prepping, I have time to think about what I want to meal prep again. And like, it's all just like the one thing's flowing into the next and it all of a sudden the dominoes are falling and it becomes really easy. But when you're in that like chronic stage of stress and overwhelm, it can be really difficult to go, what's my first step? What's like, what do I need to prioritize and how do I prioritize yep. it? And figuring it out yourself can be really hard too, right? Because you'll you'll jump onto Google and say, 
what should I do to fix my sleep? And you'll get a list of 20 things. So what do you do? You try all of them, you try bits of them, you try them for a few days, they don't work. The idea is to, yeah, figure out, you know, exactly what is going to have the biggest effect, implement that, do that for a period of time, then go, okay, what's the next thing? Implement that. Um, So it's, it's a case of, yeah, finding what works, implementing it, but then sticking with it because it won't work straight away. So you've got to give it like a week, a two, you know, maybe. Um, and yeah, really stick with it. And yeah, the results will come. Just like I don't training. want to wait. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like training, right? Like, I mean, you know, it's it's really no different. No. And and that's like that's the mindset, right? You have to yeah. think about it as training or something. Exactly. Yeah, there's this great, um, there's a woman called Molly McLaughlin who uh, her business and her podcast is, is Sleep is a Skill. And I love that, right? Just sleep is a skill, just like anything else you are learning. And it's not something that's just going to magically fix itself. It's going to take some work and some dedication. And, you know, you've, you've got you've to actually do the work to, to get better at it, just like anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Okay, to finish off, I have some fun questions to ask okay. you. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. If you had, like, what is your all-time go-to hype song? You know, like, you might be feeling a bit flat, like, or it comes on in somewhere and you, like, I have to break out in a dance. Like, what is your go-to hype song? Oh, my God. Um, that's really hard. Do you know what pops into my head though is Dandy Warhols. We used to be friends. Ooh, that used to be my um, getting ready to go out like yeah hype song. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> um, who was your biggest mentor growing up? I'm gonna say my mum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she 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 had a pretty hard life because she was she was unwell like for a really long time. So, but she was amazing because even though things were challenging for her because she was always in a lot of pain, she always wanted to do things by herself. Like she could, you know, yeah, she's, yeah, she was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. How did she feel when you left New Zealand? Oh yeah. Um, She, (laughs) oh my God. Sorry. No, no, this is this is a whole other story. <laughs> it's another story, but I won't okay. go. I feel like we need to do another podcast. You and we I might, lifestyle podcast. We might we might need to do a follow-up. Um, no, she I think, yeah, she was pretty upset and I've learned some things semi-recently that really highlighted to me how hard that was for her, but I probably didn't realize it because she was she was also trying to protect me from that. Um, and even when she was really unwell, like she wouldn't let dad tell me what was going on because she didn't want me to worry. She didn't want me to come, you know, to come home. And yeah, parents are silly like that. Yeah. I have one like that too. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, the last question, what is the most used emoji in your phone right now? Oh, I use the glasses one a lot because I feel like it's just an emoji of me. What are you wearing glasses for? 
uh, since I was in kindergarten. Ah, yeah, me too. Since yeah. I was five. Okay, yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, and it's funny because Ruby, our biz- one of our business mentors, was talking about, you know, your character the other day. Yes. And when I was like early 20s, I used to feel really self-conscious about my glasses. Yep. And now I will literally not. Like, even if I go out and get dressed up, like my glasses are part of who I am. They're not. I feel self-conscious without them. I am exactly the same. So I got laser eye surgery. I used to go to the pub completely blind, like couldn't see a Me thing. Me too. And everyone used to get really angry with me because I'd be like, yeah. hey, I'm such and such. And they're like, I know. I've met you yeah. And then got laser eye surgery, hated wearing them. But at some point just, yeah, I'm the same. I, yeah, feel naked without them. Love them. So you like did the surgery not work or did it go Oh, back? sorry. Yeah. So it worked to a degree. I've got astigmatism um, and I don't know if the surgery's changed now, but back then. Me too. Astigmatism. Oh, twinning. <laughs> I really feel like we have a lot of similarities. I'm sorry. The, the person. Oh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> we are recording. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, <laughs> I have one more note, but it's gone backwards. It's okay. Oh, that's okay. No, we're going to touch on it really quickly. Yeah. Sleep apnea. Yeah. Yeah. So it is oh, it's more common than what people think is what I'm going to say first. Uh, the the demographic that is sort of said to be more prone to sleep apnea is, um, you know, males uh, over the age of, forget the age, sort of 50, 60, overweight, et cetera. But I have met multiple females younger than me who are not overweight who have sleep apnea. So I guess the thing that I would um, say is that, you know, if you're someone that snores, that's problematic, probably shouldn't be snoring because it means that you're probably mouth breathing, which of course is not what we want. Um, but yeah, if if you are someone that mouth breathes and you snore and you've been uh, told that you gasp and stop breathing at night, uh or you wake really fatigued, that can also be a symptom of sleep apnea um, if you don't have someone to hear you stop breathing at night. Um, yeah, go to your GP and get, and get checked out because it is problematic. Uh, and obviously you're, you're, awake, you're waking up like, I think mild is something like five times an hour and then it, 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 it gets worse and worse. But imagine waking up five times an hour, like, and that's not a serious No, case. thank you. It's, it's crazy, right? So um yeah, it's a problem. And I think more people probably need to be aware of it. Cool. Was there anything else you'd like to add? No, I don't think so. Other than we need to be doing another podcast episode already. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm good. This is fun. Where can people find you? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram. So it's Aura Sleep Coaching, or if you pronounce it the Maori way, it's Aura. O-R-A, sleep coaching. And yeah, that's probably the best way to find me. I'm on LinkedIn and um, the internet as well. <laughs> I was going to say the interwebs, but that makes me feel really old. Um, yeah, it's just www.orasleepcoaching.com. Cool. Um, well, thank you for joining me. Thank you.